coming to get you, Barbara. Here's some money. Go see a Star Wars. But I'm trying, Ringo. I'm trying real hard to be the shepherd. Welcome back to Long Walk Talks. My name is David Hensley. I am the owner and creative director of Long Walk Productions, and I am here to introduce your hosts, Stan Wilson Lee. Howdy. And Chris Wilson Barnes. And the car. And that car that's going by. With a lot of rev, rev. So it's been a minute since we've all been here, guys. Uh, A lot has happened in the last month. It was very important, and you'll find out in a few minutes why, that we get this episode in before the end of July. But uh, first, I got cast in a show and all of a sudden lost my evenings, so we couldn't record for a while. And then Stan went and spent a week in Europe, and then another week. another week in Europe involuntarily. I was quarantined. Yep. So. In Switzerland, it was awesome. We I are. was fine the whole time. I didn't have any conflicts. It was you two. You should have did the shows on yourself then. Shows on yourself. Yes. <laughs> that's well, that's how a good team podcast works. Solo. <laughs> exactly. Long walk talks. A one man show. We could have called in, I suppose. All right, so Chris, uh, no, I, I don't. If we can avoid it, I don't ever want to do, do another that. call in. What evidence episode. do you have that calling in doesn't work on this show? <laughs> yeah, you're right. Let me just review every episode we've ever done where somebody had to call in. That's actually a rumble, Christmas vacation joke. Ready to rumble the uh, the Christmas episode for all of the other reindeer. Um, that worked. TBD. Yeah. All right, so Chris, why don't you tell us, since we're continuing our uh, Perfect Tens discussion, what your third Perfect Ten pick is and why it was important for us to get it in before the end of the month. Well, it's because this, I mean, if we didn't do it in July, we couldn't have Christmas in In July. July. All right. (laughs) Because we're going to be doing uh, a movie I can't stop referencing, and I don't think I ever will. It's National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. A great love of both me and Katie as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, Stan, you said this was the first time you've watched it, like beginning to end. It right? must be because um, I had the through lines were weird for me. So it's like I must have only seen it in segments and on TV or something because it was it was the first time I got everything compacted and it was like different for me. So I must have only seen it in segments and stuff. I'm really loud. Everything's really loud. I don't know. It's okay. Are you like? Are you hungover? Uh, well, I'm hungover, but the thing is, everything is. I'm my hearing is hypersensitive or something because I'm. I'm. I was like, I'm super loud. Uh, yeah. and, and you're super loud in my ears. Chris, I think, is the only one not super loud in my ears. Now I just turn myself down so I can hear myself. What what scintillating discussion this is? All right, <laughs> well, Chris, D- Dave, you did adjust something. It did boost the volume. <clears throat> Uh, yeah, I've been playing around. I, we're we're all rusty here. I haven't <laughs> since the inception of Long Walk Podcast. I have not uh, gone a month without doing this um, since 2018. Since uh, you know, almost four years ago. Oh my God, we've been doing this for four years. <laughs> four years. Um, so yeah, I mean, like I sound weird in my headphones. We need that Simpsons plaque that says "Don't forget, you're here forever." Yeah. Um, so anyway, Chris, why don't you kick us off with our first discussion topic? Well, I will, I will, in, since it's part of it, I will start actually with the synopsis. Well, you know what? 
Let's 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 back it up a little bit. I, what, do you remember the first time you ever saw this movie? Uh, yes, it was with you. Really? Yes, I had never seen it before. Uh, I just knew of it through pop culture osmosis, and then we oh. watched it one year, uh, you, me, and Katie for Christmas, and I fell in love with it. It's become a yearly tradition for the three of us. I did not realize that you'd never seen it before. Yeah, thanks to you, we watch uh, Christmas Vacation and uh, Muppet Christmas Carol every year okay. uh, in December. And you, Stan? Um, like I said, it's like, um, obviously I've, I've only seen it in parts and it's, I, I mean, I've seen stuff from it for like, since it's come, but I never went to the theater to see it. I've only seen it on like TV and, and, uh, you know, premium channels or whatever. Um, I swear I thought I had seen the whole thing at once before on video or something, but, um, so this might have been the first time I've seen it really intently all the way through in one sitting. Hmm. So this may have been virgin, virgin breaking for me. So that's weird. I did not realize that because I, it, for me, it had, I forget exactly when it might've been early two thousands where it sort of started becoming uh, a yearly tradition just because it was like, it was something to watch. My mom liked it. And I, and I enjoyed watching it with her where we would just watch it every year around Christmas uh, as part of our, as just part of like a small, you know, Christmas thing between us, uh, and it just, and that's that's the only way I, I was I was watching it. And then over the years, you know, I started watching it with you, and it, it it and like you said, Muppet Christmas Carol are my yearly traditions. I end up watching them twice um, each because I always I always I watch uh, this movie with my mom and you guys. And then I watch Christmas Carol with uh, my friend Jay, and then usually with you guys too. Um, and it just over time, this movie has just struck me at how and and how it, like I'm just gonna say it fires in all cylinders for me. Um, in the in a lot of the way in a lot of the ways that people would rewatch something from say like the Criterion Collection. This movie for me, since I watch it every year, just usually ends up showing me something I did not notice before. Um, and it's it's funny because it's it's like um, it, it's just such a simple idea for a movie. Like if you broke it down to the, the the most basic premise as hard as you could, it would be <laughs> it's just a man hosts his family for Christmas. That's literally it. That's literally the crux of the movie. Um, but what's genius about it is everything builds and it's just, it's super, it's just like, it's a very, very simple idea where everything is built into it and it just crescendos. Yeah. And everything that can go wrong does go wrong in this film. Um, you and I were talking on the way over here. The first time we realized that the movie takes place over a two-week period, Katie and I were both like, what kind of monster <laughs> is Clark Griswold to have his entire extended family over to his house for two weeks? If Katie and I invited our entire families over for two weeks, everyone, we wouldn't make it to Christmas. Everyone would be dead. He is a man who is hell-bent, as he says, on having a good old-fashioned family Christmas. Mm-hmm. And he wants he, he, he wants every uh, old-fashioned American Christmas thing to get, to happen over this particular Christmas, and they set it up brilliantly. 
in the scene after uh, he they set up the Christmas tree, where he and or Clark and Ellen are just laying in bed, and she goes, "I don't want you to basically just go go nuts and put." She just put. She 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 tells him that he puts too high of an expectation on mm-hmm. on holiday, and he go, and she go, and he goes, "When have I ever done that?" And she proceeds to list off every holiday and like like social gathering possible that he's ever been a part of. And then yeah, it's like it, it's like it's a fun little moment where they detail his character, and at the same time they show off his character because he's still covered in sap from getting yes. the tree up. That he everything he's touching is now stuck to him, and they do everything like nonchalant. They don't oh, even yeah. react to the. They don't even react to everything's. He, his hands are sticking to everything. It even sticks to Ellen's hair when he goes over, reaches over to kiss her good night, and he yeah. pulls her back, and and then he gets himself stuck to the lampshade, and he pulls, and she's continuing with the list like nothing's even happening. Um, I really like that convention. And it speaks a lot to the writing and the characterization that even as things are getting out of control and nuts, you still sympathize with Clark because he wants, he wants an ideal. He wants something. He's, he's obsessed about an ideal happening that everybody wants, the idea of where everyone comes into his home and it's a wonderful Christmas season and it's happy and it's homey. It's a Hallmark card. It, yeah, he wants, he wants that. He wants that moment to happen for his family, which they emphasize when he's stuck in the attic watching old home movies. Yes. <laughs> and it's like even as things are going wrong and awful, he's still trying to maintain up until the point he can't anymore. Right. And it's I, I wrote it down here. It's like it's an an expert blend on genuine sentiment and genuine cynicism because mm-hmm. they don't hide any of the terrible things about the holidays. Which I think is is what what draws people what it draws me and what I think draws most people in is like there's on some level you you have that oh yeah I know what that I know that moment kind of thing whether it's dealing with family or dealing with situations beyond your control she waxes her upper lip <laughs> yeah she always has she always has um, Ellen are I, you I, smoking <laughs> I like I, I like your thing about the cynicism is and it's kind of represented especially in. Uh, um, uh, the daughter's um, reactions <laughs> to everything and the fact that the movie opens with her basically getting herself frozen in, in the quest for the Christmas tree <laughs> and it's like and she's like why are we here we could do this better again that's great characterization because the daughter character is written as being completely over this does not want right. to deal with it but at the same time she loves she, she, she loves yes. her family and she still participates in it because it's important to them yeah because cause I, I, I just find uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm as in love with Clark because, yes, he wants this nice, sentimental, hallmark Christmas, but he really doesn't have a problem torturing his family to get it. Well, but, I, the, but, the, but, they, but the reverse of that is that he may be torturing his family, but the most of the torture is on himself. Exactly, yeah. He gives as good as he gets. Right, right. I mean, yeah, he, he's just as much uh, he's just as much a factor in, in his own problems yes. as as things being thrust upon him, Agreed. like Cousin Eddie. <laughs> yes, the immortal Cousin Eddie is played by Randy Quaid. And Randy that, Quaid. That's a good jumping off point. It's like the cast. I think everyone is absolutely perfect where they where they are in that movie, whether they're old enough for the role or not. Because <laughs> I because I, I was talking to you about William Hickey, right? And it's yeah. like. Um, uh, 
and I was saying, he must have been like almost 80. But the fact, he, he died when he was 69. So it's like Pritzi's honor was after this movie, and he was only in his 50s. So he was only in his 50s, maybe, uh, maybe early 60s when he did this movie. So it's like uh, he was still super young, but he's playing. And then uh, his wife, she's supposed to be, what, 80 or 90? Uh, oh. um, Lewis's wife, uh, the, the grandma. Um, well, on which side, Clark or Ellen? I guess it would be Clark's. Oh, I, I've never been able to keep track of who's related to um, who. The one that sings um, Star, Sp- uh, Star Spangled Banner at the end. Oh, no, no, that's that's aunt, that's that, aunt. That, that's Ellen's. Um, mm, that's Ellen's aunt. Ellen's aunt. Like Ellen's aunt or great aunt. <clears throat> um, the wife of the guy that blows Lewis. everything. Oh, Lu- yeah, Lewis. Lewis and... Uh, Oh, I, I did just forget I her I want name. to say May, but it's not Bethany. Bethany. Aunt Bethany. Aunt Bethany, yeah. Yes. Because uh, she's supposed to be 90, but so yeah, it's like, I don't even know if these people are old enough to be, but, but yeah. The original voice of Betty Boop, by the way. Really? Yes. And she was old enough. <laughs> well, no. So you tune in for the podcast and you end up learning something. Well, that's one of those things I went looking. I was like, what else has she been in? And I, I scrolled that down. So yeah, she was the uh, original official voice of Betty Boop. Nice. All right. So, um, so our first topic is the cast then. Oh, absolutely. Cause like you said, everyone so embodies their role that I honestly cannot pick like a standout or anybody who doesn't deliver. Oh no, absolutely. Yeah. It's like, it, it's to the point, like even the, uh, the SWAT team officer <laughs> at the end with his handful of lines still yeah. becomes one of my favorite characters in the movie. <laughs> That's pretty low, Mister. That's pretty if low. I had a rubber the hose, chief. <laughs> yeah. the chief. If I had a rubber hose, I would beat you. you. The SWAT commander has a has one of my favorite parts because he goes, "Nobody move," and Clark goes, "May we blink?" <laughs> uh, yeah, the the physical comedy in there because I think of that and I think of uh, Ellen with her hand on Clark's crotch and then holding it out to shake a hand. Oh yeah, shake, uh, Clark's boss's wife's hand and then immediately puts it back on his crotch. Well, yeah, because she's like she, everybody freeze, she, and she's she's frozen to the point where she's not even moving her head to to shake the hand either. It's like welcome to our home. Yes. <laughs> uh. I, yeah, it's like well, I mean, of course, like Clark Griswold and Ellen Griswold, you know, that's 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 um, Chevy Chase, and it's Beverly D'Angelo. Beverly D'Angelo, like that that, that of course was set in stone because this is the third movie they've done, and of course Randy Quaid is cousin Eddie and. I forget her name, but uh, Catherine. Catherine is also the same actress. Um, but yeah, like the choice of the grandparents, the the uh, the parents slash grandparents, uh, and the new kids. Yeah, it's like um, I, because I, 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 I can tell you, I I I remember and I love the original Vacation, mm-hmm. and that's Anthony Michael Hall. It right, is yeah. as the son, and I. And I thought for sure, it's like, I'm not going to like Johnny Galecki, baby Johnny Galecki, as much as I loved Anthony Michael Hall in that role, even though he was a baby. Um, but I ended up really loving Russ in this because he doesn't say much at all, but it's it, everything that happens, he's a foil for Chevy's character, mm-hmm. for Clark, especially in the mall with, uh, with Mary. With Mary. With Mary. And which is. Can't a, see the lines, can you, Russ? <laughs> and, 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 and when he says, just drop him on the, on the lawn, he's got the reindeers and he literally drops him on the So it's like, and this is baby Johnny Galecki, remember? And, and this Johnny Galecki is Russ, does not set up any of the future Johnny Galecki that we know in, in Roseanne and in uh, 
uh, Big Bang Theory. It's a, this is a totally different Johnny Galecki. It's and, almost as if actors have range. But, but the thing is... Some of them. It, it, there's no... There's no um, Can you imagine baby Tom Cruise playing Russ? But, but the idea that, 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 that there's no uh, projection of the emo Johnny Galecki we get later. You know, it's like, this is just a regular kid. You know, and being in a regular kid role, and it's like, and he, and he's the stuff he does is really, really funny, and the and his love for Clark, uh, Russ's love for Clark is so evident as well, and in it, even though he gets frustrated with his dad many, many times. <laughs> and I'm blanking. Who played the daughter? It's um, uh, uh Juliette Lewis. Yes. Lewis. Juliette Lewis yeah. Again, not projecting the hussy she becomes later. And and the, the grand and I, oh man, I, f- I feel bad because I didn't look them up beforehand. I have before, but uh, like the Clark's parents are are well. You see where each character gets it from. Like you see where Clark gets it from. Yes, John Randolph and Diane Ladd. Mm-hmm. And then you see Ellen's parents and why she gravitated towards someone like Clark. Yeah. <laughs> like um, <clears throat> excuse me. Like uh, you see, uh, oh man, when they're on the lawn and he's trying to set, get the lights going for like the first or second time and he's starting to freak out a little bit, but <laughs> uh, uh, Ellen's dad is just, like, and, his, and his mom, it was, uh, uh, oh, I forget her name, cause she, she, but she, you, you know that actress. Hold on, I have, I, I, sorry, I, I, I normally do. But it's I, Doris Roberts and Doris, Doris Roberts, yeah. E.G. Marshall. Yeah, Doris Roberts especially is like she, she's great at playing. She's, she's the passive aggressive, and then he's the aggressive aggressive. Mm-hmm. Don't piss me off, Art. Yeah, Art, and he's just, oh my God, he's just constantly picking at, at Clark. Yeah, just, just that subtle but obvious disapproval, especially when, 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 um, when Clark's daughter. Uh, speaks up for him. It's like he worked really hard, Granddad. Right. So do washing machines. <laughs> it's one of the coldest lines I've ever heard about somebody. <laughs> Just to utterly dismiss them. So do washing machines, except mine. <laughs> Where, um, so I'm in a production of Julius Caesar right now, and um, there's a, a scene where Mark Antony is talking to Octavius, and I. I have to get set to go on for the scene immediately after this. So I, between changing costumes and everything, I never hear the preceding line. I always seem to walk in to get into place as Antony has the line, uh, so does my horse, Octavius. <laughs> and that's, uh, I mean, I want to use that at some point. Like, he's working really hard. So does my horse, Octavius. <laughs> same, same energy. It, it really is. And then to, to speak of the cast, um, we were, I, we've forgotten to mention the neighbors up until this point. Yes. The poor yuppie bastards who live next to Clark Griswold. Todd and Margot. <laughs> Baby Julia Louis Dreyfus. Yes. Who's yes. awesome. Uh, well, both of them are really great. They really are. And it's, it's, it's like I, the whole movie, like the whole, like the whole side thing is Clark keeps inadvertently fucking with them. Just over and over. Well, and also like going out of, not going out of his way, but uh, oh, ruining their like yuppie upper class home. Yeah, basically. It's just like they don't like each other because they have different ideals. But it seems like the, the entire point of that couple existing is, is like they wanted to dunk on yuppies. Yes. Why is the carpet all wet, Todd? I don't know, Margo. <laughs> <laughs> 
honestly, like we could have done this podcast with just you and me recreating every role. I'd have been down Get Katie for Katie in here yeah. too, and the three of us could just do the entire movie as a radio it's, production. Oh, it's so good! Like, and and like the next my, my next part was going to be uh, the acting slash physical acting, and most of the physical acting is Chevy as Clark accidentally doing something that's, that destroys part of the yuppie's home. Yeah, there's that, and then there's also the hijinks of like him doing the classic stepping on a rake gag. <laughs> yeah. Um, except this time it's with loose floorboards in the attic. <laughs> and about five times too many, but it's still funny each time he gets hit in the head. <laughs> That, that's that's a good use of a joke where it's like the punchline should have ended here, but if you go a few steps further, it gets funnier somehow. <laughs> oh yeah, it's My the principle favorite. of it's funny, it's not funny anymore. Okay, we circled back around <laughs> yeah, to it being it's, funny it's again. Get funny again. <laughs> but yeah, there's the um, the amazing physical comedy. Love Clark tries putting up the the lights by himself on his house. So I love the fake out the first time where it's like he almost falls off the ladder. And then, then the joke is actually the ladder just suddenly collapses and he's just left sitting there going, what the hell was that? Mm-hmm. Well, and then he falls off the roof. And catches the gutter. Yes. But what he doesn't realize is the gutter, as, it's, as he's pulling it down, trying to stop from falling, <laughs> there's a large frozen shaft of, of ice in the gutter because this is Chicago. Uh, and it just, it's slight, like it With zooms. Mountains. It zooms out of the gutter and just straight through the window of Todd and Margo's house, destroying their CD player. <laughs> I think the only people who have it worse than Clark in the movie are Todd and Margo. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> it continues. It's like there's that. There's the when the lights finally cut, like when the lights, he's finally getting them and they keep going on and off because he doesn't understand where he's actually plugged in, plugged them in so that they'll turn on. When they keep going on With and off, switch. Todd and, it's so bright. Todd and Margot keep getting blinded. <laughs> then they go out, and then they can't see, and it keeps happening to the point where they, like, I forget, like, I think Todd falls down the stairs. Yes. Todd falls down the stairs, yes. yes. <laughs> then there's that great cutaway to Margot, Julia Louise Drive, is just sitting on the floor crying well, no, over she's, her. She, she's, like, trying to clean a stain, and she's sobbing yes. the whole time. <laughs> just utterly broken. Um which sets up my favorite uh, object through their window uh, is the second time when he has to replace the tree when he, and he cuts down the new tree, which is even super more, a lot more taller than the tree I, he originally got. That's such a good conversation. They're like talk. They're at dinner. They telegraph it. They, they telegraph, telegraph it so hard. Maybe, maybe we were wrong and not in considering. Should we have gotten? That's right. Should we have? Had, maybe we should have gotten a tree, tree. this year. The, Bam. Where are we going to find a tree at this hour, Todd? <laughs> Smash. It's Christmas Eve. It, it, was, it was. Where are we going to find it now? Yeah. Uh, he delivers that line. Oh, that's it right. Comes, that's right. Okay. Um, it's Christmas Eve. Where are we going to find? It's like I don't know, Todd. Smash. And, and then the slow pulling of the tree. <laughs> but the thing is, when, when it comes through, uh, Todd is leaning back in his chair a little bit, and so it completely knocks him over, and he goes over and, and just everything. But that, that's my, even though it's telegraphed and mm-hmm. everything, that's my favorite use of that um, <laughs> object through the window for them because it's like right at dinner and right when they're considering the fact that they could be good people, and they could have chosen to be really great people. And, well, they just—they they were just discussing whether or not they should have been, should have been more festive. Well, but they were like they—they they were the couple, like where you were talking earlier about the sentiment and the cynicism, yeah. and they were like a pure. 
Oh, yeah, they're firmly on the cynicism side. Oh, yeah. And they were having a moment where they could have considered being... You know, sentimental and and what Clark you're saying destroys is, it. What you're saying is that everything bad that happens to them happens because they're not in the Christmas spirit. Exactly. Well, it's like the first full conversation you hear them have as they see Clark going up to the roof to put on the lights, and he goes, and I forget, I, th- I think it's ta- I think it's Margot goes, do you think he'll get lucky and he'll fall and break his neck? And uh, I forget the other one responds, I think he'll fall, but we won't be lucky enough to break his neck. <laughs> yep. Yeah, realistically, that bonus check that um, Clark got would probably be spent on home repairs for them, <laughs> fixing their windows. Probably and, not, though. No. <laughs> but they, they get it even harder the rest of Christmas Eve because they get into a fight over that because she wants him to go over and have it out with Clark, <laughs> and he refuses. She gets attacked by a squirrel. And a dog. Yeah, the, yeah, the squirrel. And, and the then, dog. And, yeah. she, and so she kicks him out, and then when, she, when the SWAT team knocks... <laughs> You're gonna have to kick down the goddamn, goddamn door. She thinks it's Todd, and then the SWAT team storms and she just starts screaming. That was my. That was probably my favorite. That's the last you see of them in the movie. Because <laughs> they're done. Because I guess Todd left, right? <laughs> well, their next scene would be like talking to their real estate agent, trying. Oh to yeah, a hundred percent. It's just, and that's that's like the physical comedy is in, is in, is crazy, and the re- just the regular just. Everyone inside their characters acting, everyone has it down. Mm-hmm. I think, like, um, like the well, the subtle physical comedy of Clark and cousin Eddie talking while they're going through the Walmart, and Eddie is just put hoisting because he has his dog Snot, and apparently he goes Snots, Snots, and he and he goes through so much food. Like Eddie, every time they pass a display, he's hefting another thing of dog food, something that's bigger. Yeah, because it was a. Thing a six pack of cans yeah. first, and then then he's throwing the big forty pound bag of without missing a beat. All while they're they're casually discussing like Clark wants to help Eddie give his kids a good Christmas. Yeah, and then in the middle of that, I I did not notice this gag for years. It's like like I told I told you about it, and you you said, oh yeah, no, it's right there. It's just one of those things that just popped out at me all of a sudden one year watching it. I never noticed Clark just suddenly just grab a, a small set, a couple pair of, like a light bulbs. Yeah, set it on top. And then he just, and then Eddie just, without missing a beat, another thing a dog would smash. Even bigger. <laughs> and it's like, and it's it, not just the actors, but everyone had the characters down pat. Like when, one of my favorite scenes, again, because I didn't really know what it was, but I, I, when I finally noticed it a few years in, when Clark and Eddie are in the living room and everything, you know, it's all, it's all decked out for Christmas and they're just walking around talking. And Eddie's got the dicky on, but he's got the the white the white like turtleneck over it that is so sheer you see the dicky through the shirt, <laughs> and the pants, and the <laughs> with the shoes, and the the <laughs> most the most perfect embodiment of cousin Eddie as a character in Clark's life is when he the little wooden spinny thing, like the windmill I think it is. Yeah, he just he looks at it and just he's like oh he's like kind of curious at how it works. Touches one of the little pieces, it smash fall, falls apart. And Clark spends the rest of the scene trying to put it back together. And, but, but with no, you know, no reaction, no anger reaction. He's just like, oh, I expect oh, that. Oh, kn- he knows what Eddie is. Yeah, yeah and he's just trying An to put it back together. An agent of chaos. Yep. Yeah, and, and to, to follow that up, he spends the rest of the scene just cracking walnuts in the living room, letting the <laughs> shells fall on the floor. <laughs> and it's, it's, they do such a good job of succinctly summing up, like character relations like I meant I sort of alluded to it earlier like Ellen and her mom mm-hmm. like when when she's in the she's in the kitchen with Audrey and they're prepping they're prepping dinner and um she she hits the the iconic line of 
look, it's the holidays and we're all in misery. And she lights a cigarette because she's stressed out that her parents are here. And from like at least two rooms away, her mom in the living room goes, Ellen, are you smoking? Again. Yeah. And she goes, no, mother puts the lettuce down. Hard chop. Cut to next scene. My, my, I think my favorite Audrey joke was the, um, he doesn't have to sleep with me because <laughs> well, Ross I'm sleeping to, with your father. I'm sleeping with your father. It's like I have nightmares thinking about, about what, what he does, he does when, when I'm, I'm not, not in the same bed with him. I thought that was a perfect joke for the sibling rivalry that they had. But, the th- but still, they honestly, like you said earlier, Chris, is like this is a family that literally honestly loves each other oh, yeah. fully and completely even in the regular um familial uh jousts and bouts you know so it's like oh yeah um i really love that and and the fact that juliet lewis and both juliet lewis and johnny galecki galecki both were not were they were kids Mm -hmm. and they were typical tweens i guess i guess uh in this case uh audrey would be a teenager by now wouldn't she um but uh, but they were still honestly portrayed as part of a loving family. Oh yeah, yeah, you know, and that they did love their parents and they did honor their parents. And like like you said, it's like, she, and Audrey goes out of her way to st- stick up. It's like I can pick on them, but nobody else can. It's well, like it, it's, she, she's it, it, they're really well portrayed in that as the, sincerely. The kids. Yes, sincerely. That's, yeah, that's the thing. It's like that's the crux of the movie where it's like I mean. The whole point is like, yes, the holidays are going to be chaotic and you're and it's like these are these may be people you love, but they they can be insufferable (laughs) at at times. But ultimately, you're there in the spirit of the holiday to love each other and be there for each other. And that's what it comes down to. And at the same time, it's not shy about like it's doing it in a comedic way, but it's like. Yeah, but if you're going to be under the same roof for a while, it's going to it's going to get wild. <laughs> yeah, that many people of that many generations forced to cohabitate. Yeah. Yeah, and oh man, and to say nothing of the finale where the entire third act, I I, di- I didn't really piece this together. The entire third act is Christmas Eve. Mhm. And everything crescendos in a way where it's like it's like dinner goes wrong. <laughs> Dinner goes wrong. The tree gets burned up. The cat. The dog Clark, gets into the garbage. Clark snaps over the tree and ends up yeah. <laughs> losing it. I, I guess the cat was earlier, right? No, no. The cat. The cat is the reason uh, the mm. lights die. Yeah, the cat chews through the lights, gets zapped. <laughs> they and have dies. to get. They have to get rid of a chair. <laughs> they have to get yeah. rid of a chair. There's the squirrel. <laughs> there's the squirrel in the tree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then uh, there's uh, Eddie's last minute Christmas gift to Clark of kidnapping his boss. Because, I, I see, again, the, the nice subtlety is you only see it a couple of times, but it's, it's very, until he says it outright, you don't know how important the pool is to the movie that he wants to get for his family. Right. To the point where he's counting on his bonus to cover the check he wrote for the deposit. The $7,500. So that he can do this all again, like invite everyone there yeah. again and invite the same sort of chaos well, that's the <clears> just thing. with a pool now. Again, it's, it's a nice testament to Clark's character. He overdid it and he, he, he basically like, he kind of leapt out ahead without <laughs> consulting anyone, especially Ellen. But it's like the idea was, he, for the most part, to have everyone here at the holiday so he can announce, 
we're getting a pool and then you're all going to come back out and be, you know, be, and be here for the dedication. Mm -hmm. Even Eddie? I can't swim, Clark. <laughs> I know, Eddie. I know, Edward. Eddie. I guess it wasn't Edward yet. Eddie, yes. <clears throat> um, which, which the, we talked about the uh, pool, uh, which gave uh, the moment to where the best dream sequence of a pool since <laughs> Fast Times at Ridgemont High that, uh, that uh, recalled Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Yes, thank you, Nicolette Scorsese. <laughs> Was that, was that? Yes. Oh, uh, cause she played Mary, right? Yes. And mm -hmm. is she a Scorsese? Well, she is a Scorsese. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if she is one of the Scorsese's, but right. she's definitely a Scorsese. a Scorsese. But, uh, she totally, she totally played Phoebe Cates. That's something I was going to bring up is something I love about this movie is every side gag is a great gag on its own, but no part of this movie is wasted. That's not, it's not, none of it is just like a, a set off little thing just to have in there. Like that gag is just part of Clark's like, oh, once I get the pool in, it's going to be great. Part of his hopes and dreams for, you know, getting that bonus. Uh, the gag of Eddie emptying his chemical toilet into the sewer is like, oh, of course he would. He's Eddie. But then it comes back at the end because it's part, it's part of what, uh, it's the reason Clark's tree goes up. It's the reason things happen at the end that they do. And it allows Santa Claus to come? <laughs> uh, well, he flies. She is not related to Martin Scorsese. Okay. I, huh. I, I, I was wondering. <clears throat> but, but yeah, there, there's, no, there's no wasted part of this movie. It threads together in, in, in a way that, that makes sense. Um, the, the only thing I was like, I felt that maybe a couple gags went on longer than they needed to but which then, is but, shocking coming from but, you exactly but the king then, of making a gag go on then, for too long um but then it's like and and i'm going to reference the uh sled moment um which i thought was okay they did it when they when he zooms down thought that but the, then it's now in the street and it's like okay this is going on but then i totally loved and it came like we were talking earlier about the the planks hitting him in the head it's like it went past the this is too much and came back to um, this is still funny. <laughs> if I had to rank parts of the movie, honestly, over the years, that's become my least favorite. Same. But it sets up very important things. One, again, Clark doesn't know when to reel it in. Right. <laughs> and it gives us the uh, Eddie's hair part lines, which are absolutely amazing. It gives us the hair part lines and it also um, extends Clark's character as sort of an inventor and what he creates for his company and all these weird uh, household items that well, may be more than they need to be. <laughs> he's in some sort of food manufacturing business mm -hmm. because the report he's supposed to give to his boss to help him out at a trade conference is about a non-nutritive... He's like, he, he works for like Unilever or some sort of okay. equivalent. All right. and, and, and it has to be some sort of corporation like that because in the Walmart scene... Eddie asked him if he was if his company was the one responsible for, for poisoning yes, all those people in right. India. Yep. No, we missed out on that one. We missed out on that one. <laughs> um, lines like that. This movie perfectly embodies my favorite kind of humor, which is just the flat, straight delivery kind of humor. Um, because so many of the jokes and the one-liners in this movie would have been 
<clears throat> very easy to play over the top and over oh, yeah, comedic, yeah. but it's it's very much like airplane in that sense of we're saying something funny, but we don't know the characters don't know that it's funny. Well, that and that and it's just like uh, just the kind the, it's the kind of especially from Clark the kind of uh, dry uh, dry you know, like off the cuff response that he knows what's going to fly over the head of whoever he's talking to. Well, there's that, and then there's one of my favorite lines in the movie, which is when uh, Eddie and Catherine and the kids show up, and somebody remarks about Ruby Sue, her eyes aren't crossed anymore. (laughs) And completely straight, uh, Cousin Eddie says, yeah, when you know it, she falls down a well, her eyes goes cross, she gets kicked by a horse, eyes go kicked by a mule, (laughs) eyes go back. I don't know. Yeah, like... That sort of line would be so easy to play over the top, but just the way that Randy Quaid delivers it, like, eh, yeah, that's what happened. Randy to such Quaid. a ridiculous fucking that's line. That's life, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Kids that, nowadays. But I think especially uh, Chevy's performance as Clark in this movie really shaped part of my humor in that regard, because I love that kind of humor, too. Mm-hmm. To the point where it's like, that's my response to di- like to like s- like stressful situations. It's I have a null post moment. Yeah. I, ca- I call it, like, because that Fix moment. the Newell post. Yeah, exactly. He he just had finished having his angry breakdown and getting cutting down a tree in their like neighborhood just to to have one to set up, and he has the conversation with Ellen where he sort of loses it in the bathroom, and then he just comes out and he he, he touches the Newell post and it jiggles because it's not steady. And he just without saying a word just turns on the chainsaw. Which he had happened to bring inside yeah. to the bathroom to clean up. We needed a coffin. <clears throat> I'm tree. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and he just calmly just just chainsaws the newel post off and just goes fix the newel post. <laughs> I love that 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 uh, that kind of response where it's just like uh, problem solved. Yeah. Uh, what I what I did love um even if I thought some of the gags may or may not have been great, but the what I did love is that whatever gags that Clark do does it's isolated and uh, like when he falls through when when Ellen comes back and pulls down the attic thing that oh, he's been locked not up. Not Ellen. And, it's um it's or oh, is it Ellen? I thought it was Ellen when she was I coming. I can't remember. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, oh, that's right. Dor- and, uh, Doris lo- locks him up in and, there. And he, yes, and he's been locked up in there and he's been watching the home movies and he comes falling through. This is after the planks hit him in the face like 18 times and um uh. But and when when he falls when he finally does fall off the roof into the bushes, um, uh, Ellen, everybody else, there's no, the only people that actually get a get the butt of Clark's stuff is uh, Todd and Margo. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, well, everyone else is just used to it by now. They and maybe used to, but it's like nobody notices that he's locked up in this attic. You know, usually amongst his like, family, it it's yeah, anything that like that is going to re- bounce back on him. Yep. Ellen yeah. just calls him in for dinner and is like. Oh, why are you in the bushes? Did you fall off the roof again? Lo- again, shaping my humor where she, she calls out for him to come in for dinner, doesn't know where he is, and you just hear him <laughs> shout from the bushes, coming. Oh, man, it smells great. It smells great. And, but, and the thing is, she's the one that discovers that it's the light switch in the, mm-hmm. in the garage that turns on the full light, even though, but she never tells him. Nope, she just lets him think that he fixed it. She lets him, and she just leaves it on, and they leave it on for the that rest. That is a supporting wife right <laughs> yeah. there. And, and, the, and it goes back again to the whole, you know, yeah, it's like Clark is 
our guy. You know, it's like yeah. we we know what he is and we love him in spite or because of, you know, it's like, yeah. you know, it's like, it's great. Well, it's like his coworker says, um, in, the, in one of the scenes is like, you are the last true family man. Mm-hmm. And, and it, and it's true. Yeah. Um, it's like, Ooh, wow, that's a great. And it's like, even, even the trip to get the tree at the beginning. And it's like, when they go, when they're in Chicago and they're going to the suburbs of Chicago and there turns out to be mountains because they actually filmed it in Colorado oh, or whatever. Oh, no, and, uh, like they clearly drove out of his way. <laughs> and, and they're doing the Christmas carols. And Why are and, we doing this again, Dad? Why are we doing We're this We're doing this because people forgot how to, ha- how to have a good old-fashioned family Christmas. And, they, and then they take an extended walk into the woods when they finally crash into the Audrey, who farm. despite being dressed for winter in Chicago, <laughs> starts freezing like literally freezing that is my favorite joke because it's like oh she'll see it later her eyes are her eyes are frozen (laughs) she looks like she's lost on top of k2 it's just and the thing is she's she's literally she's literally trying to and you hear the ice cracking because she's she does love her dad and she kind of loves the fact that she did this, but she hates the fact that she's frozen. And I, and I, and cause when they get finally get home and she's fine, she's actually cool with the fact that they went all the way to butt well, fuck to get this. Well, I, I, I think everyone else in the family is like, they want to go along with the good old fashioned family Christmas, but it's not worth to the effort and extent that Clark is going. True. They know, they know that he's going over until Russ sees Mary in the mall. <laughs> and it's okay. <laughs> if there's one thing that dates this movie, the only thing is like, I would love to just have snipped out is just in the montage of shopping. They show the, the old credit card machines. Yes. That's the only thing that actively dates the movie. Uh. <laughs> well, if the, if the internet goes down, they still need to use it, you know. Yeah, those Hard things way. still exist. They do. They do. I've used one a long yeah. time ago. I've used one. However, though, the new cards, you can't because they don't have the... Well, I guess if you flip them over... No, they don't no. have imprint. They, they don't imprint. have the imprint. You mm-hmm. can't use no. them. Can't. They got rid of that so people couldn't, like... Do that. Do it. <laughs> Make impressions of Make them impressions to get the numbers, yeah. So it's like... Um, if you still have, if you have new cards, you can't use the machines. I think the only other thing I wanted to touch on, just specifically to talk about, <laughs> to talk about one of my favorite gags in the movie, is the editing. Like every, like everything else is is key, but also in the in the editing booth where you've trimmed this down to get it into a proper flow, they knocked it out of the park. Mm-hmm. And I was like, again, I just I just wanted to have an excuse to talk about one of my favorite gags in the movie, and it is the attic scene. Um, where after Clark accidentally traps himself in the attic um, and he spends the time he's stuck up there because they've all gone to the mall and, they for, and, they, and they're like, eh, he's off doing his thing. Uh, Ellen's dad basically goes, look, I got to go eat because I have to take my back pills. We have to go. <laughs> we have to go. And it's like, Ellen, and it's like, he's in the attic for he's, the whole he's time. He's the only there. one who's like, not going. And yeah. nobody's worried. <laughs> so it's like. Well, at this point, they're probably glad to not be around him for an hour. True that. Yeah. But uh, so he's up there and he's trying to keep warm. Oh, there's, there's, there's two interesting things in this scene that, that I'll get to. He's trying to keep warm and he, he finds the old family movies that reignite his passion for why he's doing what he's doing. And he, cause he wants that feeling again. He wants that feeling for himself and for his family. Mm-hmm. Um, one, the, the gag of like him hitting, there's, he hits the boards. There's also the gag of him standing in the wrong spot on the roof and falling through the roof. Or roof. And he lands on the bunk bed in one of the bedrooms. 
which is only, I feel like that bunk bed is only there, one, to catch him, and two, to make sure, like, it's high, just high enough that he couldn't conceivably, like, crawl through and get out of the attic. I'm pretty sure that's the only reason. Without that, doing more damage to the hole. Right, yeah. right. That's Russ's room, right? No, it's not, because, well. Yeah, it's that's Russ's where the room. Grandparent, that's where Ellen's parents yeah, are, cause right? the. the yeah, because that's where the the posters on the root, on the ceiling and the, the granddad's look. Yes. <laughs> but also, to point out, uh, the other major poster in that room that you see behind the granddad's head is two turtles mating. <laughs> I, I think look, one, the '80s were a different time. There oh, was no internet. Oh. There was no. There was not. It, I don't. I, I. It's. It has something to do. I, I can't remember who pointed that out. But I know that it was 80s. turtles. I was there in the eighties. But yeah, there's that, and then there, like that's the, that's like the one weird thing about the setup is like, why does Russ have bunk beds? But to keep Clark from falling through the attic and ending the scene early, I think. Well, doesn't he have friends? He would have sleepovers, wouldn't he? Why would he? That would necessitate bunk beds. Let's not let's not spend too much time <laughs> well, on the logic. Well, back in the eighties, it's know. like you would you would your there's, buddy would sleep in the bottom bunk. There's the, there's the the attic has a, a, one other great gag, which is um, Clark as he's hiding presents, finds the Mother's Day <laughs> present that he from, le- he hid from Ellen and then forgot about. <laughs> and then the final one is as he's watching the movies and and falling in love. This is a purely an editing joke that I'm in love with. While he's watching the movies, Ray Charles is the Spirit of Christmas is playing. And in that song, there's a, there's a, when, when Ellen goes to open up the attic and he falls through right before, they time the music perfectly because there's a, there's a moment where, where Ray, in between you know, verses, just gives this little ha-ha kind of chuckle as he's, as he's singing. And they time that ha-ha to hit in the song just the second before Ellen pulls the chain and, and opens the door and he falls through. And, and they immediately... Um, cut to an outside scene or somebody oh, yeah. coming in that has nothing to do with no, I mean, the fall through the it's, it's a perfect edit. It's a joke done in editing that perfectly buttons the scene because yeah. Ray Charles goes, ha ha. <laughs> All right. So is that about wrap us up? That about it. I mean, uh, well, I will, I will in conjunction with editing, you know, I went looking because it's like I never hear anything about this. Um, it was something that I was like, I thought about. I'd heard a little bit about it. Um, but I don't hear a lot, and it was the, like, like I'd only ever heard of one, like, deleted scene from the movie, and that was uh, when they're driving to get to the Christmas tree lot, they, they actually do have a small, they're supposed to have a small scene there, and that's the only thing, I, I read an article about that, I was like, huh, that's weird, are, they, are there not a lot of deleted scenes? And I went and looked, I was like, no, there's a ton of, like, alternate takes and deleted scenes that aren't in the movie, and in a testament to the editing, it's like, I was looking through this going, Okay, cool. It's like they, they could have had extra stuff in there. They could have done what a lot of movies do and have little expanded moments. But to their credit, you know, they, they cut down and they, they did an excellent job editing to the point where this flows together smoothly. Even the stuff that you think takes too long doesn't take as long as it could. Right. And, it, you know, it's, it's, it's a, such a tight, cohesive narrative for a movie that's essentially just like a, just a holiday, just Christmas movie to... Yeah, and to, and to get to. it back to the house mm-hmm. uh, and get it back to the family at the house, having family Christmas and making that uh, the focal point as opposed to having a bunch of the only thing outside of their family is Todd and Margot and maybe a couple scenes at the office. And it's um, 
it's just it's just a testament to the to the fact that they they actually cared a lot about this movie and they they haven't it's like i don't i don't know if if it's just a matter of they don't want to or they just they've, they've never added any of this deleted stuff onto like home releases and i think that's great honestly that you don't need anything more than this movie for this i mean just there would just be a lot of just a bunch of uh, small extra jokes that were cut that would have i mean i guess been funny but would have bloated the film but there's a reason they were cut probably there, there's probably yeah. a reason they were cut I mean, honestly, I was like, there's one, there's an extended version of the scene with the family wandering through the snow. There's, um, there's them decorating the tree and getting covered in sap. It's like, no, no, it's like that, that, that cut from Clark in the middle of the, the, just swamped by the tree going really full, a lot of sap, and then cutting to them in bed as he's slowly (laughs) getting stuck to everything he touches. It's like, no, that's, that's great. That's perfect. You don't need more than that. Love the sap moment. Yeah. I, I, it's hard for me to, it's hard for me to, to, I, I feel silly when I try to, when I express that I would die on the hill of this is great, this is a great, great movie. I know, I know, and I, cause I'll, I'll qualify that it's a great, great movie to me. Mm-hmm. And sure, some of that is probably the fact that it's an annual tradition. But it's like, when, when I look objectively at this movie, it's like, no, it's it's a good. It's well a masterpiece done. of comedic it, storytelling. I exactly, storytelling, timing, everything from cast to production, preserved it. Yeah, I'm it's, on board with you. Yeah, it's like you won't see it in a Criterion collection, but I'd argue. In a rare twist, I think Stan is the only one not on board with us. Well, um, I think Vacation, the original mm-hmm. Vacation, is a masterpiece, of, and and a lot of those '80s movies that. Chevy was in uh, like uh, Caddyshack and such. I think those are masterpieces. I think Caddyshack of, was late seven. Well, maybe may have been early eighties. It may have been seventy nine. You're right. Um, it's right. It's right there on the edge. Yeah. But, but I thought it was after Meatball, so uh, it would have been like eighty maybe. in the sense. I think. Okay, you may be right. Um, but but he, this is this is vaca- the Christmas Vacation is eighty nine, and um, he's he's involved in a lot of those late seventies, mm-hmm. early eighties. I don't I, uh, raunchy comedies. I don't know what you would call them in genre style, but uh, but the idea that um, like the first vacation is great. Um, I and I I figured out. I guess I've never seen European because of you, you're I, if, fine. Um, uh, uh, it's a lesser entry, but um, uh, Caddyshack was eighty. Oh, okay. So and and Cad, and I think he's great in Caddyshack. And again, that I think Caddyshack and Meatballs are some of the most. Um, and of course, Animal House and stuff like that are the. Uh, um, so I'm not I'm not sure if I would put it in up there with them. But uh, uh, but but again, in my defense, I'm also a, a fan of Porky's, the original Porky's. So it's like, and I think that's a perfect gem as well so it's like so it's like me saying that not putting christmas vacation up there it's like that's probably not saying much my bar is not high in that sense but the idea that i love porkies you know it's like um kind of dilutes well <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'll, I'll say it like this because i thought about it because I, I i once thought about because i heard someone say they didn't like the movie once and it was someone I didn't like anyway but <laughs> well I, I thought about it and i think i think the thing is like if it's not your kind of comedy i get that you know, it's not your cup of tea. Humor's subjective, but I, I it's like I would, I would definitely argue to the death over someone who would say this is not a good movie. I, I def, in the John Hughes um, 
realm, it's definitely better than Home Alone. Um, uh, you know what? Which, which I think people think is like one of the great you know what? examples. I, I would of, be on your side of, in that <laughs> of comedy and physical comedy, and I think it's I think it's really bad, and I hate uh, um, Calkins uh, Kevin. I hate that character. I do love Catherine O'Hara in that film, but the thing is, I I think my thing with John Hughes is I think I like his um, drama. You know, his uh, uh, more serious emo stuff better than his comedies but the thing is i i think 16 candles and breakfast club and uh some kind of wonderful and all those are great great comedies but uh but so it's like me saying uh, again um me being on board or not on board with y'all that it's one of the perfect things my bar's not that high i love porkies <laughs> You don't have to qualify. It's it's cool. And I no love ma- porkies too. No ma- okay. All right. Now now the now the bars right? are boring. Oh jeez. Um, but yeah, I think um, it's 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 it can be hard to argue that it's the funniest, but it's definitely a great movie, and it's definitely worth watching at least once. Uh, it's, and, and, and again, go back to the family stuff. And it, yeah, the sincere family. And it, it's um it's one of those it, makes it. It's one of those movies where I, I have such regard for it that when it's one of the few things that I instant bought a steel book for. It was like when Best Buy put them out years and years ago, I, they put a bunch of different Christmas, uh, I guess the, the ones they had the rights to, the Christmas movies on, out on Steelbook. And I spotted the, the Christification was like one of the few times I've ever been like, well, I'm walking out with this. And I did not regret it. And I think to take us out, uh, I think Dave Dave has a special reading he'd like to do for us. <laughs> yes, uh, Chris asked me to do this on the way over here. It's, so uh, give me a second to get into character let's, here. Let's set the scene. Clark has found out that his Christmas bonus this year is not going to be the money he thought it was. It's going to be a Jelly of the Month club enrollment. Hey, if any of you are looking for any last-minute gift ideas for me, I have one. I'd like Frank Shirley, my boss, right here tonight... I want him brought from his happy holiday slumber over there on Melody Lane with all the other rich people, and I want him brought right here with a big ribbon on his head, and I want to look him straight in the eye, and I want to tell him what a cheap, lying, no-good, rotten, four-flushing, low-life, snake-licking, dirt-eating, inbred, overstuffed, ignorant, blood-sucking, dog-kissing, brainless, dickless, hopeless, heartless, fat-ass, bug-eyed, stiff-legged, spotty-lipped, worm-headed sack of monkey shit he is. Hallelujah. Holy shit. Where's the Tylenol? That and the, the other sort of mini rant he has after when people are trying to go home and leave. When it's a... It's a, a uh, oh, that, one, that one's right above this. Hold on. I go ahead. Go for it. Where do you think you're going? Nobody's leaving. Nobody's walking out on this fun, old-fashioned family Christmas. No, no. We're all in this together. This is a full-blown, four-alarm holiday emergency here. We're going to press on, and we're going to have the hap, hap, happiest Christmas since Bing Crosby tap danced with Danny fucking K. And when Santa squeezes his fat white ass down that chimney tonight, he's going to find the jolliest bunch of assholes this side of the nut house. <laughs> You're nutty, Clark. Don't piss, Don't piss me, me off, Art. <laughs> And he, and he punctuates that by doing the rapid blinking, which is, a, which is I, I know, it's like, a, it's like a special notation for someone's losing it. Yeah. All right. Well, we did it. We managed to get the Christmas in July episode in on uh, the next to last day of July, I think. Yeah. 
I can never remember, you know, how technically many still counts. Yeah. Um, so we got one more of your perfect tens left to go in August. Do you want to tell them what it is? Sure. Well, since I, since Dave has, uh, has, has won the coveted Halloween spot, uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and continue this with another theme uh, and go ahead and do, I'll do what I consider my favorite Halloween themed movie, spooky movie. Um, and we are going to go, go to the Northeast in the, in the, on the rainiest night possible in the 50s. And we're going we're gonna to have a, a good old murder mystery. We're going to watch Clue. I love it. I can't wait for that one. And then in September, it's my turn through December, and we're going to make it fucking weird. The winter uh, of Dave's content. Exactly. All right. So, um, wow, I haven't had to do an intro in a long time. Or, I'm sorry, an outro in a long time. To be fair, I haven't had to do an intro either. Intro, uh, outro. Uh, Stan, if people want to reach out to you or follow you online, where can they do that at? Get me okay, in Switzerland. Chris, that's uh, it for Stan. If people want to reach out to you online, where can they find you at? I mean, I don't know why, but if you want to fight me on Twitter, I'm Chris the OK. All right. And if you want to follow me personally, you can do that on Instagram at DB Hensley. If you want to keep up with Long Walk Productions, you can visit us online at longwalk.us or search for Long Walk Productions and Long Walk Podcasts on Facebook. To see more of our original work or hear past episodes that are no longer streaming, you can follow the YouTube links in the show notes. Thank you very much for listening. And if you enjoy this show or any of the shows on the Long Walk Podcast Network, please make sure to leave us a rating and a review on whatever platform you are listening on. Peace out. You about ready to do some kissing? <laughs>